Radio. Christ Changes Everything. A talk by Professor Drake McAllister at the Immaculate Mission School 2013, held at St. Thomas Beckett Parish in Lewisham, Sydney. And as I do, I'll make the plug that many of you have your Bibles, we passed them out earlier. Uh, not so much in this session, but for the following sessions, definitely make sure you bring your Bibles, especially for tonight, because we will uh, spending a lot of time in Matthew this evening. Uh, 
what, what excites you? What gets you out of bed? What, what motivates you? Stomach. Stomach. Yes. <laughs> what does scripture say? All good things come from God. That means pizza is from God. If it's good, it's from God. Satan has no ability to create. All he does is distort. Uh, okay, so your stomach. Food. Uh -huh, yes, I love food. We've been eating well. What else? There's only one person that gets out of bed in the morning? Is that it? All right. Man. Your job, which is? And that's 
all that they do. But, but you and I are not like the animals. We just uh, got us started with this idea this morning. You and I are very, very different. You and I are created in the image and likeness of God. And in the beginning creation story of Genesis, God goes through and creates everything, creates the animals, and then at the end of the capstone creation, he creates man and woman and says of them, you are made in my image and likeness. He creates man first, and if you just think God's thinking up there, if I stop here, we're all in trouble. We better make woman so that this thing will actually be complete. So the woman is the crown of creation so that something would actually get done, right? Uh, God bless the women. So, you and I are created in the image and likeness of God. Why? Because you and I are created for relationship. My dog and I have some sort of relationship. I put food in his bowl, he eats it, and then he lays it the rest of the day. Unless I choose to play ball with him, which most of the time I don't. And he'll just lay there. Uh, but you and I, as persons created in God's image and likeness, are created for relationship. And not just any kind of relationship, but eternal relationship. One that begins now and goes for all eternity. We're created for more. And that's part of our theme this year, right? Made for greatness. But we're created for relationship with one another. That's why we're here together. And for relationship with God. It's the horizontal and the vertical. It's both. Because we're made in God's image and likeness. So, Reflect on this for a moment. To know yourself, to know your purpose, and to know your end requires that you know the one who created you. To know yourself, your purpose, and your end requires that you know the one who created you. The one who created you, he alone knows what you are created for and knows how to give you your ultimate purpose. Now, let's see, where's my bag here? So you have to know what something is before you know what to do with it, right? Okay, so if I saw this item and had no idea what it was, I might be inclined to think, oh, I could pick my nose. <laughs> but then upon further reflection, I think, no, that's what this is created for, right? <laughs> so, so once you know what it's created for, what it is, you know what to do with it. Oh, this, I can write. Now, I don't want to put this on my nose, because then I'll have a look like a bloody nose. Uh, this is a pen that is created for something. It is created to write. To use it for any other purpose is an abuse of its purpose. It does not fulfill its intended created purpose. You are the same way. You are a human person created in the image and likeness of God that has a specific purpose in this life. And until you come to fully know the Creator and discover your purpose, you will be sticking your pen up your nose your whole life. And that's what a lot of people do day in and day out. They have a body, they have a mind, they have uh, hands, they have actions and things that continually are used in ways that the body and the mind and the heart was not intended. When you know the creator, the one who created you, you will know yourself, your purpose, and your end. 
And once you discover your true purpose, get this, nothing will stop you. Nothing will stop you. We all like the idea of Superman because he's invincible. But hear this now. The closest thing to Superman this side of heaven is the Christian, oh, well, right over here. <laughs> is the Christian living a powerful life in Christ? Because once you get connected with Christ and live according to his purpose for your life, guess what? Nobody can thwart God's will for your life. This is a powerful principle that I learned years and years ago. No one can stop God's plan for your life. Except you. You are about as invincible as it gets when you know Christ and live by his power through the Holy Spirit. No one can thwart God's plan for your life. That doesn't mean no one can do bad things to you. Sure, they can do that. But that has no bearing on your pl his plan for your life. When you know the creator, when you discover your purpose, nothing will stop you. So let's just do uh, a quick, a really quick overview. Jess this morning reminded us that we have uh, our spiritual heritage is with the Jewish people. So let's, let's just take a quick look, uh, real quick look at the overview. Do, do you say ish here? Ish? So this is like 2000 BC ish. Okay, that translates good. Because there's a whole lot of ish going on here. Okay. Um, so there was creation. God created Adam and Eve. Perfect sin entered in. So God begins to put in place a plan to redeem all of humankind. So this begins objectively with the call of Abraham about 2000 BC. He calls Abraham and says what? I'm going to make you a great nation. And I'm going to give you to make give you descendants more than the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. So great nation, descendants everywhere. Problem was, this didn't happen in Abraham's lifetime because he had one child. Well, that was one towards stars of the sky, right? So it, it started there, but clearly it was not fulfilled in his lifetime. So what, about 500 years-ish later, Moses comes on the scene. Now, that one heir of Abraham's has turned into about a million people. The nation of Israel. But where are they? They're slaves in Egypt. Moses comes to free his people, free God's people. And they, they come out and they begin to be a people for the first time. They begin to be a nation for the first time. But they're still not sands of the sea, stars of the sky, nor are they worldwide. But another 500 years. David, the second king of Israel, comes on the scene and through him emerges a national kingdom. Israel finds its greatest influence, its greatest power, its greatest authority and prosperity under King David. It's a high point for Israel. And specifically, it's prophesied to David that one of his descendants would sit on the throne forever. But things go downhill from here, right? So high point, David, it's always bad when you say something's at a high point because then what you know is where to go is down. Um, so... Don't ever say this week is a high point. Say this week, I'm just kind of average. You know, I'm expecting some way better things next week. Um, you know, you got to leave yourself room to go, right? Um, so, what happens next? 
over the next 500, 450 years, Israel continues to fall away from God, away from God, away from God, away from God. He says prophet after prophet after prophet says, come back to me, come back to me. They say, no, 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 no. Sometimes some fits and starts, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, and finds, ends finally a no. So what happens? By five, in the 500s, Israel is dispersed to exile. They're kicked out of the country. They're running all over the place. And within another 500 years, by about 0 AD-ish, when, uh, when Jesus is born, the nation of Israel is, is insignificant. It's living in the fear of Rome as an occupied country with very little autonomy, totally at the mercy of the authorities that surround it. And here's a, just a brief little picture. So here's the known world at the time, more or less, in Jerusalem. That's about the extent of the, of, the, of the reach of the people of Israel at the time. So the problem was there was many that had said, what happened to the prophecies? What happened to the promises? It, it seemed that it was lost. It seemed that how on earth are these things going to be fulfilled, these promises, when we can't even rule our own country? So then something happens. And this is what Jess got started with this morning. Something happens that gets to the end of 0 AD, well, gets up to 0 AD. They weren't counting backwards at the time. It wasn't until you know, Christianity became the dominant force that then they started counting backwards. I'm not quite sure why. Um, what happens? Emmanuel. God with us. Matthew 1, 22, the very first verse, I mean, excuse me, Matthew chapter 1, the very first verse, says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, what, a son of David and a son of Abraham, the promise is being fulfilled. The promise is being fulfilled. 122, all this took place, the birth of Christ, what, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God with us. This changes everything. It's not the next cool guru with us. It's not uh, prophet.com with us. It's not the next self-help book with us. It is God with us, present in the flesh. Israel killed every prophet that it sent. The father says, I will send my son. Because what had happened? For 2,000 years, God had been sending messenger after messenger to Israel, but they kept rejecting and rejecting. For 2,000 years, Israel in the flesh wasn't capable of fulfilling the promise that God had given them. For 2,000 years, Israel wasn't capable of becoming more numerous than the stars and the sands of the sea. So the Father sends the Son to be for us what we could not be. And that is a Savior. A Savior. To be for us a Savior. And here's the focus of this talk. It's the God-man, Jesus Christ that transformed the world. 
It's the God-man, Jesus Christ, that transformed the apostles. It's the God-man, Jesus Christ, that tra radically transformed the early church. So much so that they were willing to give everything for Christ. Why? Because when they got to know the Creator, they knew their purpose. They knew their end. And once they knew their purpose and they knew their Creator, nothing could stop them. Why? Because they stopped living in the flesh, like Israel had done for 2,000 years, and began to live by the power of the Spirit of God in Jesus Christ. And the same is for you. When you know yourself, your purpose, and your end, when you know your Creator, nothing will stop you. All right. Do we remember our verse? All things in Christ who strengthens me. All right, let's say it again. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Where's it found? Philippians 4 and 13. Great. Let's do it again. Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Because it is Christ doing the work and not me. So once Jesus conquered sin and death, and he sent the Holy Spirit to empower the early church, Check this out. The apostles and the early church accomplished in a few hundred years what Israel couldn't do in 2000. Again, after 2000 years, Israel is nothing more than an occupied country living in the fear of Rome. In contrast, because of the power of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit, the early church spread the gospel through the entire known world. And the Roman army was the most feared army to have ever walked the earth. And they persecuted the Christians day in and day out. They killed them and killed them and killed them. And the most amazing piece of history is that the Christian church conquered the war machine of Rome without ever pulling one sword. Rome was defeated love. And what shocked the Romans was the more we kill these Christians, the more they keep multiplying. They must be a little slow on the head, these Christians. They don't know that death is a bad thing. Well, when you know your creator, you know your purpose, you know for what you were created, you begin to realize death isn't the worst thing. I will live eternally in Christ, but to be separated from Christ for eternity is much worse. The early Christians considered it a greater honor to die for Christ than to live without Christ. Let me say that again. The early Christians found it a greater honor to die for Jesus Christ than to choose to live freely without Christ. And this is the challenge that is put before every one of us, put before me this very day, put before you, put before the sisters. Jesus has given everything for you. What are you giving to Christ? And more specifically, will you let him transform you? We'll talk more about this this evening session. 
But will you let him transform you? That's hopefully what will take place as we come to know him deeper in a more personal way. Now, I brought another example just to give you a visual illustration of the expansion of the early church in the first few hundred years. Now, there's lots of names and personalities and whatnot in the early church. Um, and I've put up just a few, but you'll see three different time periods and just a few names in each from those time periods. And what you'll see is a visual representation of where Israel, Jerusalem starts and then where the church goes in just a few hundred years because of the reality and the impact of Jesus Christ. They changed the world. What are you going to do? I want to, I want to show the contrast again. 2,000 years in the flesh. 400 years through the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of us that are living this. You're living in the flesh. Day after day, you complain, it doesn't work, it does work, you have moments of victory and then back in. Jesus is wanting to call you to this in your life, a radical transformation that will call you to a radical life in Christ. When you know your creator, you know what you're created for, you know your purpose, nothing will stop you. They tried everything to kill the church, literally feeding them to lions. The, the stories of the martyrs are amazing. Perpetua and Felicity were two that I put up there. And their story is amazing. They were catechists. They weren't even yet baptized. And there's a whole group that was captured, taken into prison. And Felicity was a slave girl. And she was pregnant. She was near birth, time to give birth, but not there yet. And she was, excuse me, it's perpetual, not Felicity, but perpetual right now. And she was saddened that she wouldn't get to make a public display of her faith in Christ with martyrdom because the Roman law was, if you're pregnant, they can't put you to death. Her love for Christ and her desire for public witness was so strong, she prayed to God to allow her to deliver early. And she did. And she suffered martyrdom with the rest. And it's not that they had a death wish, but they desired to set the world on fire for Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's Emmanuel, God with us. This changes everything. Six. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's, but it's a spiritual battle, principalities and powers. 
The apostles were transformed because why? They lived with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They suffered with Jesus. They watched him die. They ran. And then they watched him rise from the dead. Lots of people die. Nobody comes back. If it just would have ended to Jesus as the next martyr, end of story. He comes back. Not raised like Lazarus was. He himself raised. And those that believe in Christ find freedom from sin. He conquers sin in me and in you. This morning when Mother Mary Therese talked about sitting in that church and being painfully aware, I am a sinner. And I just wanted you to go longer with that story because it felt like we were getting a window into your soul. That every one of us has to wrestle with. I, I fall short. Jesus, what does he bring? He brings the supernatural into our life. Supernatural. Natural is here where we live. Supernatural. Super is above, above the natural. Stuff that's outside of our natural experience. Jesus Christ brings the supernatural and allows us to do supernatural things. We'll talk more about the sacraments later this week. And the greatest thing that Jesus teaches us to do, and this is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit, is to love. This marked the life of Christ, the life of the apostles, and their followers. Jesus says, when questioned about what's the greatest commandment, and he replies saying, the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. He's saying everything in the back, 80% of the book, all the law, all the prophets is summed up in two laws. Love God, love our neighbor. Armed with that, the Christian church went out and radically changed the world. They began to radically love. And when I say radically love, I mean radically love. Look at, these are some things that Jesus laid down as principles of love. What is a loving Christian look like? He sets the model. A son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The world doesn't work that way. The higher you advance in your company, the more perks you get, the more relaxed you get. It's the lower total pole people that have to work hard. Five minutes, is that? All right, I'm gonna need 10. <laughs> he says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Nobody does that. No man, greater love is no man that lay his life down for his friends. This is what changed the world. This is what transformed the known world at the time it, by a small group of insignificant people. How are you loving others? How are you loving others? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do a stinking thing through Drake who strengthens me. I'm really good at failing. 
you guys have fail block here in Australia? Yeah. Is that, like how many know about fail block? Okay, only a few people. But it's a great site, just dedicated to all the stupid things people do. So if you want to be entertained, jump on fail block. Uh, and watch people gloriously. Uh, I'm just really glad that that camera doesn't follow me around because I can fill lots of, give fail blog lots of material. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One more verse, then I want to close with the story. What does Jesus say? He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's us. He who abides in me and I in him, he, uh, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I think, I don't know how many of you are, are vine growers. Anybody here vine growers? Okay. We, anybody here have a vineyard? So see, we, we, don't, we don't have many vineyards here. So uh, I think if Jesus would have come today, he would have said, I am the power outlet. You are the extension cord. <laughs> he who remains to not remain plugged in has no power, no life. So this speaker shut off, right? The speaker does nothing if it's not plugged into the power source. Guess what? Hello, 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 hello. Hello, is it back on? Oh, did I kill it? Wait, does the switch mean it's on or Okay, is that on? Okay, look, now it's back, because we're plugged in. We can't do things outside of Christ in the supernatural. We can do them in the natural, but not the super. So here's my closing story. I was at a deal like this years and years and years ago, decades ago, and I was listening to somebody tell a bunch of stories. And I had this conscious thought, I'm sick and tired of not having stories. I'm tired of telling everybody else's awesome stories. And there's a lot of awesome stories. The saints Lots of awesome stories. I want my own stories. I want to go do something and maybe it's a glorious fail or a glorious victory or something in between, but it's something that I stepped out of faith for the cause of Christ and got my own story. So I went home and began to pray different. I began to read different. And one day while I was in my study, Praying, I came across this scripture. And I want to read this for you. It's from Deuteronomy. Talking to the Israelite people as they're ready to advance in battle. It says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt is with you. When you're approaching the battle, the priests shall come near and speak to the people, and he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, you are approaching the battle against your enemies today. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid or panic or tremble before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. And I began to read this, and I began to believe this. And Lord, if it was true, then it's true now. And I wrote it on my dry race board. I wrote the whole thing out in my office, and I wrote it all down. And I read it time and time again. And I said, okay, Lord, 
You're, this is your word, this is your promise, so I'm going to put you to the test. So literally one day I put on my coat, and where our church was, we were in the University of Washington in Seattle, Washington, and uh, this is before I was Catholic. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to head out to the street, and I'm going to find me an encounter. Let's go. So I did. I just went out there and just started walking down the street. and just figuring, okay, keep my eyes out. I'm going to have an encounter somewhere here. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful black lady just comes, she comes walking up and just singing Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet. She just comes back to me. Her son that saves a rich like me. Singing, did anybody else sing this? <laughs> and she just comes up, and so I kind of wait out the song, and, and so I introduced myself, and, and her turned out her name was Angel. <laughs> I actually never had that thought until this very moment that maybe she actually wasn't. I just got chills. <laughs> and I got to know Angel, and turned out she was what you call the mama on the block. Because there was a lot of street kids and street teens that we worked with, or that, not yet at that time, but in the area where our church was. I got to know Angel. Angel got me on the inside of all kinds of places that average Joe white boy Drake just never ever would have got to. I'm not an evangelist by nature. I'm not hip, cool, and or trendy. I'm not anything that the world says you need to be to actually uh, make a difference. Uh, Angel was. And she was homeless herself. And next thing I know, I'm sitting in vans with other homeless people, smoking weed. I'm not smoking weed, they're smoking weed. <laughs> Sharing the gospel. I'm in homes of people dying with AIDS, sharing the gospel. I'm out in the street, sharing the gospel with others. Homeless people are moving into my house, living with us, sharing the gospel. And I've got lots of stories now, which I won't belabor you with now. You're approaching the battle against your enemies. The enemies are not the people sitting next to you. It's a spiritual battle. It manifests in people, but do not take out your anger, your vengeance, your wrath, whatever, on your brother and sister. It's a spiritual battle. These, this is our mission field, one another. But what's the problem? You're going out. The world surrounds you with everything that is countercultural to the Christian life. God's saying, listen, hear this church in Australia. You're going out to battle against your enemies today. You're being invited to a life in Christ. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid or panic or tremble before them. Why? Because the Lord, your God, is the one who goes with you. And he doesn't go with you just to like hang out with you and give you a rag whenever you start bleeding. For you is his battle to what? Against your enemies to save you. And it is scary. Because look, what does it say in the beginning? When you see your enemies, horses and chariots, and people more numerous than you, 
Those represented the strongest power centers of the day. So what is it today? Internet, movies, music, television, Hollywood. I don't know. Do you have a Hollywood one trailer or just do you use ours? I think we have enough we have enough sin to go around. Uh, it's all everything is against us. It's more numerous. If you look at sheer numbers, it's overwhelming. But we don't. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. 400 years in Christ versus 2,000 years in the flesh. The opening scripture, the Apostle John, what we saw, what we witnessed, what we touched, what we beheld, that we proclaim to you. That's what changed the world. In my own life, Choosing to believe to step out in faith and watching God do miraculous things. Why am I in Australia? This is nuts. I, this, it, it, I mean, you don't think it's nuts. You actually think I'm somebody important. I'm not. I'm a nobody from nowhere. And the, the, the fact that I'm here is just crazy. These are the kind of crazy things that God does in one side. It's more stories. And I get to buy Land Rover parts here. That's even a better story. Well, not a better story. That's a, no, no. That's, that's a better story. No. <laughs> One more, one more verse. First Peter 1, 8 and 9. Here's what Peter says to you. Without having seen him, speaking of Jesus, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with unutterable and exalted joy. Is the outcome of your faith you obtain the salvation of your soul. Sister Mary Andrew, go ahead and come on up. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Peter's acknowledging that they saw, witnessed, and touched Christ. We do through the sacraments, through the Eucharist. And we're blessed when we do. I'd like to close in prayer, and I just asked Sister Mary Andrew just to lead us in the closing song. And tonight, make sure you bring your Bibles. We're going to spend a good chunk in Matthew looking at the Apostle Peter this evening. Um, but I invite you to press in at a deeper level this week. See if God will give you stories. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I still sin. I still fall short. I'm still like with Mother Mary, Mother Mary Teresa. I sit in church sometimes thinking, I'm a sinner. God help me. Lord help me. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you for your grace. I thank you that while I was a sinner, you died for me. And I thank you that you have been calling me for all of salvation history. You've been ordering all of time so that I would know you because I am created for relationship with you. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive your son Jesus in a new and a powerful way that we would live for Christ with expectancy for him to work through us, to move through us. Lord Jesus, help us to surrender to you to lay our lives at your feet, 
and to truly do nothing apart from you, but to remain in you. And Holy Spirit, come and set our hearts on fire. Empower us to live this life of faith. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your patience. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Like just to close with this song. That was Professor Drake McAllister with Christ Changes Everything. For more talks from the Immaculata Mission School 2013, visit cradio.org.au.